Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Warrior Project podcast. My name is Emmeline. I'm a mental health consultant. Over the last 10 or so years, I've endured extreme trauma and I also manage bipolar naturally. This podcast is a platform for me to share all of the unconventional wisdom that I've acquired over the last 10 years. If expansion is your thing, this is where it's at. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Warrior Project podcast. Today's episode is going to be a little bit different than usual. Uh, I am going to read a chapter from the Warrior Spirit, which is an ebook slash e-guide that I'm currently writing. It delves into all the different ways that you're limiting your capacity to grow, to develop, to expand, to change your life. Um, yeah, it's pretty cool. So the particular chapter that I was wanting to read from today is related to childhood experiences. And so it's basically, so this chapter is called childhood experiences don't dissolve on their own. I'm just basically going to read off it. And then at the end of of the chapter, um, I'm going to run through the step-by-step end of chapter activity that I've got in there, um, which is basically, yeah, just like an activity or sort of like a way to implement the concepts from this chapter. So here goes. Most of your reactions to situations as an adult are birthed in childhood. When we're children, we don't have the emotional capacity to accurately comprehend our experiences. We might've experienced bullying as a child because we were overweight or had a facial feature that attracted the attention of our peers. Rather than conceptualizing the experience with truth and depth of understanding, we internalize the experience as evidence to suggest we're unworthy. I've had many clients experience all kinds of abuse from parents or primary caregivers. As children, they didn't understand that their abusers were victims of their own generational trauma. Rather than understanding that the abuse they received was not personal to them, they internalized it as evidence to suggest that they're defective. Our inability as children to understand the dynamics of trauma keep us rooted in dysfunctional perceptions as we grow into adulthood. The trajectory of our perception is rooted in the emotional experiences that we had in childhood. Each emotion we experience and repress forms an energetic point of resistance in our physical body. Those energetic points of resistance are also known as triggers. Emotions are physical, not mental. We don't think anger, we feel anger. We don't think shame, we feel shame. We aren't often provided with adequate space to express and validate our emotions as children. Plus, we don't really know how to. When we feel the sensations of shame or anger or sadness or frustration as children, we don't always understand how to interpret them or what to do with them. As such, we'll swallow them or just push them aside. As children, our lack of depth in conjunction with our lack of understanding of emotions causes dysfunctions as our self-image begins to develop. What was your earliest, most vivid memory of when you first experienced shame or anger? As an adult, you are able to look back and identify the feeling as shame or anger. You potentially didn't know what the emotion was at the time. How old were you? Were you five, maybe seven, maybe eight? I was seven or eight when I first recall experience, experiencing the sensation of shame. 
around this age, I started to put on weight. I danced at a proper dance school as a sport and up until this age, I loved it. I have a vivid memory of standing in a dance studio among 20 or so other girls. I'm not sure why I made this observation at this point in my life, but it was an astonishing realization for me. I watched the dance teachers place the dancers across the studio floor in front of the mirror. I watched as each girl was placed in a certain spot, forming a series of rows. I soon noticed a pattern. The skinnier girls were put at the front and the girls with more body weight, such as me, were put towards the middle and the back. I knew the pattern had little to do with height because I wasn't tall. I looked down at my little belly protruding through my leotard over my little dance shorts and realized that I wasn't important because I didn't look a certain way. This experience was the root informing my self-perception and the way I began to experience the world. Every experience hereafter was related to the way that I looked. I condemned myself almost every day for not looking a certain way and ended up going to extreme lengths to force myself to conform to a rigid model of beauty. I developed my first eating disorder at 14 and battled with significant eating disorder behavior for over 10 years. My self-esteem was extremely fragile and I internalized every experience as a personal attack against my worthiness as a woman. I was triggered all the time. I was convinced I was never enough. Does this sound familiar? We run around as triggered adults because we haven't fed the child within us. We experience chronic emotional repression and experience situations in everyday life that act as stimuli for unhealed childhood wounds. Too many of you are convinced that you're a victim of your current circumstances. That simply isn't the case. More times than not, the responses that you're experiencing in everyday life are rooted in a past event that you are yet to fully acknowledge and validate. My entire perception of myself shifted when I delved deeper into my internal world. I noticed subtle similarities between the woman and the little girl. Emmeline, the woman, wasn't insecure and reacting to everything around her. Emmeline, the child, was insecure and reacting to everything around her. Do you notice how your default reaction to a circumstance is usually the same? Someone says something to you or you're involved in an experience and your reaction is to immediately rise to anger. Maybe you feel your insides heat up and your stomach pulses. Maybe your default reaction is to panic and feel scared. Maybe your heart starts to race, your chest tightens and you want to run away. When is the first time you experienced this emotional response? Was it when your parents made you feel unsafe? Was it when a kid at school pushed you over and called you names? Was it when an adult was inappropriate with you? If you allow it, your internal world will guide you back to the initial experience that birthed such an emotional response. It's likely that the circumstances at the time didn't allow you to fully express, process, or release your emotional experience. The child that felt the rise of emotion is also the adult that feels it during a trigger. The remedy for this dysfunction is simple but extremely uncomfortable. The process to resolve the emotion linked to the trigger will require you to be completely vulnerable and open with yourself. I'm not asking you to expose this part of yourself to someone else, unless of course you want to. I'm simply asking you to expose this part of yourself to yourself. That's the body of 
the mini chapter. Okay. So therein lies the concept. You're provided with a little bit of background. Here's the activity. What is your most prevalent feeling or emotion that you experience throughout your week or when you're triggered? Write it down on the top of a piece of paper. So for example, it might be anger, um, might be insecurity. It might be fear. Um, it might be shame. It might be overwhelm. It might be self-doubt, whatever it is, write it. Step two, write down your earliest, most vivid memory of when you first experienced that same feeling or emotional sensation. Here's an example. When I was insert age, I experienced insert experience. I remember feeling insert description of emotional response to experience. So it could be as simple as I have another one. (laughs) When I was eight, I experienced a boy in my class kicking me in the shins constantly during class and saying that I was so fat that I looked pregnant. I remember feeling shame and an anger rising throughout my entire body. And I remember swallowing that. Okay. Step three, imagine that same child has entered the room with us right now. They've walked up to you and told you about the experience they just had. What would you give them in response to what they've just told you? Write a list of two to five things. Oh my gosh, my caboodle snoring. Zena, you're snoring puppy. Mummy's trying to podcast. Oh no, hang on. I think it's Cleo. Cleo. They were both snoring. It's, it's really hot today. So I've had them inside all day. They're just snoring away. Anyway, sorry, back to it. I'll reread step three. Imagine that same child has entered the room with us right now. They've walked up to you and told you about the experience they've just had. What would you give them in response to what they've just told you? Write a list of two to five things. In brackets, I've got examples. Would you give them affection, a non-judgmental space to relay the experience, guidance, reassurance, support, words of truth and wisdom, validation, empathy, love, compassion. Write a list of two to five things that you would give this child that has just walked into the room and relayed the same experience to you. So imagine that you're separate from it, okay? There's a separate entity that's just entered the room and it's the child version of you relaying the experience, okay? You know what this kid needs. Write down two to five things that you think this kid needs in this moment, okay, as a response to their experience. That's step three. Step four, looking down at the list of things that you identified the child needs in response to their experience, circle the ones that were given to the child in that moment, okay? Not talking right now, I'm talking back then. Circle the things that were given to the child. Step five, didn't circle them all. Maybe you didn't circle any. The ones that aren't circled need to be highlighted with an actual highlighter. It's no longer someone else's job to give those things to that child. It's now your job. This is step six. It's a note. This part of the exercise is uncomfortable and can be triggering. Please check with your mental health professional 
before engaging with this or have your mental health professional with you as you do this. Your role is to allocate solitude and space to allow yourself to revisit the experience as outlined above and surrender to the emotions that rise as a response to it. Don't look away. Just keep breathing as the emotion moves through you. Watch the experience like it's a movie. Surrender to the emotions. Don't resist. Respond to the experience with what you identified was needed. Give yourself the emotional acknowledgement. Provide yourself with the words of love and wisdom. Reassure yourself. Support yourself. Apologize to yourself. Embrace yourself. Doing this activity just once in response to an experience that you've had as a child is not enough. Um, depending on the severity of the experience or depending on the severity of the trauma, you may need to revisit this same experience several times and allow yourself to feel the emotional experience and to just let it run through you and then respond accordingly. As mentioned in the title of the chapter, childhood experiences don't dissolve on their own. Because they are, because emotions are physical, okay, they're physical points of resistance, they don't just dissolve, okay, they don't dissolve unconsciously and without the proper approach in terms of processing, acknowledging, and releasing. So just because you ignore, repress, or distract from an emotion, does not mean that it will resolve on its own. It will just move to a different part of the body and that point of resistance will just sit there, will just sort of stay and it will wait until it's activated again in some capacity, also known as a trigger, and then it will rear its head. You might notice that, I mean, if you are in contact with someone that gets triggered quite regularly, you might notice that the way in which they react seems to be the same. Um, that usually is an indication of a theme um, and it will tell you that the same experience uh, from childhood is being triggered. You might also notice that when someone is triggered, it will almost have childlike mechanisms. So things such as shutting down, um, inability to be vulnerable and have a calm conversation, um, lashing out, screaming, shouting, inconsolable crying. Um, I'm not saying any of these things are negative. I'm just saying observe them because quite often if they are childlike and highly reactive in nature, chances are it can be linked to a previous childhood experience that has not been resolved. Typically, you can tell if someone has done the healing work or is doing the healing work because when their boundaries are violated or if they experience something that maybe doesn't align with their personal situation or whatever it may be, it will not be a reaction. It will be a response and typically it will be a calm, neutral conversation whereby the tone of the conversation is vulnerable and there's a mutual and neutral exchange of emotions and openness. 
So when two individuals, two adult individuals can come together in the middle and share the way that they're feeling, share the mechanisms of their internal environment and what's going on and be vulnerable, you can tell that they've done some degree of healing work or they're at least in the process of it. Um, as I said, if they're highly reactive, if they shut down, if they tend to have really intense reactions, like they just snap and they swear and they lash out, um, there's a lot of bottled up resentment there that has not been dealt with. And it's probably got nothing to do with you. Um, it's got to do with a childhood experience or there's some sort of dysfunction with a family member or um, the way that their relationship is with their parents. So it goes very, very, very deep. So as an adult, whatever's happening around them is not actually the cause of the reaction. It's simply the stimulus of an existing wound. Um, and I think a lot of people don't understand that and they tend to take things personally when it is not personal to them at all. Um, all they have done in their efforts to communicate or engage with this person is activated and stimulated a trigger that already exists and was just sort of bubbling there. And then all of a sudden the water's boiled and the lid's flown off the pot. You know what I mean? That's, that's sort of what we're talking about here. So I want to break it down a little bit further. So I did mention um, in the content of the chapter that as children, the reason why we condition ourselves to repress our emotion, usually like it's two pronged. So um, majority of the time, most parents are not indulging in conscious parenting. Um, that tends to be a lot of people now are, are more aware of conscious parenting, which is identifying when kids are experiencing an emotion, um, actively providing that child a space to express their emotion. Um, it's very difficult. So as children, quite often, we don't understand what emotions are. We are just having a physical experience in response to something else. So we don't actually understand that what we're feeling is shame or anger or embarrassment or resentment um, or whatever it is that we feel. And we then internalize that. And because that emotion has not been resolved and consciously dissolved, it kind of just sits as a point of resistance within us. So then when another situation happens, that might vaguely resemble the original one, we get triggered and that sensation comes up again and we typically repress it again. So I think something that's really handy is to constantly educate children on what emotions are and that emotions are a part of being human and that no emotion is bad and that we are allowed to experience feelings. We just have to talk about it name it, have a dialogue with it, and just be more vulnerable and open to experiencing emotional experiences. And I know that sounds like really wild, but to me, I think that's something that will make a huge difference to the way a child develops emotionally, psychologically, and spiritually. But it's also difficult because when we're born into a particular family unit, we also inherit and receive impressions from our parents. So if our parents don't have a massive, vast, extensive degree of emotional emotional intelligence and don't know how to process their own emotions, chances are we will inherit that capacity. 
and we will internalize and repress our own emotions. So I guess obviously you can't go back in time and change the experiences that you had as a child, but now that you're not in them and you're separate from them, you can revisit them from the safety of who you are now, re-engage with the experience and allow, I can guarantee you that if you look at something deeply enough and it's the correct experience, that exact same emotion, sensation or feeling will flood your body. It will come up. There will be no issues in that happening. So if you allow yourself the space to do that, you'll actually be shocked at the response. Your body keeps a score. So your body will know exactly what that experience is and it will know exactly what emotion rose as a result of it. So your only requirement is to just sit and allow yourself to experience the emotion. Just let whatever needs to come up, come up. It's like a wave. It will crash and die off anyway. And then you'll resume a place of calm and chances are you'll feel less triggered. You need to start owning your triggers. As an adult, no one else is responsible for the way that you feel. And I know that that's really annoying to hear, but realistically, someone calling you a name or someone saying something to you, it shouldn't bother you to the extent in which I know a lot of people are being bothered. Like so many people are really highly triggered. And I feel that if a lot of our childhood experiences had been resolved and validated or we had given ourselves a lot of the things we felt we didn't receive as children, we wouldn't be running around as highly reactive adults. And usually the quality of the relationships that you have, you're trying to fill a void or you're trying to fulfill something that was not received in childhood or the interactions that you have whereby you feel you're constantly being triggered. The theme is not that other people are triggering you on purpose. The theme is there's something unresolved within you that keeps rearing its head that you need to look at and do the work with. And I know that's really annoying to hear, but I guess this is all part of extreme ownership. It's a part of owning your internal environment and investigating it and navigating your way through it so that you can gradually progressively heal it and start to actually acknowledge the things that you experienced. No one else can do that for you. So that's what I mean when I say that childhood wounds do not dissolve on their own. Anyway, I hope that made sense. Um, Thank you so much for tuning in. I might um, next week read another chapter because I have some really good ones in here um, with some really cool activities at the end. So anyway, I hope that made sense. And thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, If you have any questions or you want to reach out, uh, you can hit me up on my Instagram, The Warrior Project, or via the contact page on my website, thewarriorproject.com. Other than that, I hope to see you on the next one.